Aha. Yeah, I noticed that yesterday too. Okay. Well, people, I know this was long, so I'm going to do my cold open now. I was just making sure that we're uh, that we were alive because yesterday we weren't. Today we are. And what else we learned today? The San Francisco Giants continue to dominate the Colorado Rockies, both as an organization and on the field. And guess what? I got to know why. You are Locked On Rockies, your daily Colorado Rockies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rock on Rockies fans and Giants fans, welcome into a special Locked On crossover event here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We thank you for making Locked On Rockies and Locked On Giants your first listen of the day. Shout outs to all of our everydayers out there. You can find both of us on Locked On Rockies and Locked On Giants on YouTube, currently streaming live on the Locked On Rockies YouTube channel here. Uh, But you can check out all the Giants action on Locked On Giants, and you can find all of your Rockies and Giants action as well as your Locked On action on the Sirius XM app. All you got to do, just search Rockies, Giants. You'll be taken where you need to go. You can even search Locked On, and you'll be taken exactly where you need to be. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs, and we'll talk more about that later. But Bird Dogs are your shorts for the summer, and you can go to birddogs.com slash MLB. And when you enter that promo code, you can get a Yeti Tumble. Look at that, both of us. We got them right here. Both of us <laughs> drinking our water here on the show. Uh, today on the Locked On uh, Rockies and Giants podcast, we are talking about uh, two teams that I think on the outside perspective, people might not think. But for us here that focus on these I think this series just shows how big the divide between these two teams is. Even though the Rockies had two chances to win this series, multiple opportunities, man, the Giants never quit. And that it isn't just on the field. They're in the playoff hunts. What is, what is it about the Giants that makes them just constantly relevant? It drives me nuts, honestly. Why aren't the Giants ever fighting for the basement? And why are the Rockies constantly, Ben? Uh, of course, host of Locked On uh, Giants. I didn't really introduce Ben Kaspik here, uh, the the one of the best in the business when it comes to Giants talk. Thank you. That's why we had to bring him in. Why are the Giants just so far ahead of the Rockies, Ben? Well, I mean, I th- I honestly think back though to like 2017 and 2018, and 20- and I think that corresponds to when the Rockies were having some success and finishing ahead of the Giants and making the playoffs and. I might be a little off with the years by one or two, but the Giants did kind of bottom out. And in 2017, they lost 98 games. And so that year, I mean, you obviously had the early success in the you know 2010s, obviously. And they were in it, you know, they never really had terrible seasons any of those years for a long time in the early 2010s. But they did kind of bottom out towards the back half of the decade. But what happened then was that their longtime kind of person in charge was fired and they made a major shakeup and they made a move to kind of pivot to be a team that is run more like the Dodgers, you know, and we've all, we all witnessed even while the giants were having all their success in the early part of the decade that the Dodgers, the Dodgers were the team that was having the best regular season and most consistent success. And so that move there when they, I don't, no disrespect to like Brian Sabian who helped the who architected the win, championship winning teams but they 
they kind of didn't modernize. By the end of the decade, you were starting to see them bottom out and kind of be a team like the Rockies still is, is, uh, or are, whatever. But (laughs) (laughs) it sounded weird coming out of my mouth. But they hired Farhan Zaidi, who was literally the Dodgers' general manager. And that's who they hired to be their president of baseball operations. And I would argue that little by little, they're kind of, you know, if you know the Dodgers, I, I watched your sh- live show yesterday and you were talking about how the Giants and the Dodgers are just two teams that just kind of really handle the Rockies. And I think there's some similarities in, in the in the style of play that just gives them advantages night in and night out against a team that's not kind of operating at that level, which is what I saw from the Giants in like 2017 when they lost 98 games. And so it's taken a while. I mean, they won 107 a couple years ago, but I think they're still trending upwards. That year was kind of a a blip, but I I think they're still trending upwards. That's what's amazing is the fact that 107 wins was kind of the outlier, but it's never been like, and like 107 wins is insane. Like you don't always have to get there. The, that's not necessarily, I think, always the goal to win 107 games. I think the Giants just kind of embody the mindset of we just want to be there because they're a team that I feel like is that that kind of I don't they're not in the same ways as Philly in the same sense of last year's just get us to the most important part of the season and then we're going to be okay because we trust ourselves. Would you say that's the case? Do you think that's kind of the thing? I, I asked Miller Thomas of this. We we did a crossover last week because the Diamondbacks are – I think the Rockies and Diamondbacks have kind of been hand-in-hand hand for a while, but the Diamondbacks clearly on a really solid upwards trajectory, whereas the Rockies are stalling. I, you know, I, I don't necessarily – I'm not going to sit here and say that the Rockies are actively getting worse when they have a lot of uh, – do have some excitement stuff on the way, and we saw a couple of exciting things here in this series, but – does it matter to win the NL West? Is that really the goal in the expanded wildcard? I mean, of course it's great. It's all fine and dandy, but I think you could tell, ask a lot of Dodgers fans, they don't give a hoot about all those division titles when it compares to the, how many times they've fallen short in the playoffs. Do you think it really matters to, to be a division champion uh, in, in the wildcard era? I mean, I'm. it's really interesting that you asked me that because I have been – beating this drum for especially since the expanded wildcard like it doesn't matter at all you are not even promised because now there's that new first round best of three and you can literally win the division and still you like two two division winners get a buy in that round but one of them doesn't and so you could win the division and it it makes no difference whether you won the division or if you were a wildcard team. And there's certain like kind of loopholes where you end up maybe uh, facing a weak division winner. Like right now in the National League Central, you could be a wildcard team that ends up facing that team as opposed to facing the best wildcard team, which might have a better record. Like right now, the D-backs would be that first wildcard team. And so you could be the bottom wildcard team and get to face the Brewers and be the second wildcard team and have to face the tougher D-backs. And so I I don't care one lick if, I mean, look, you want to, to hang the banner, you won the division, but look, at the end of the day, it's about winning championships, not about winning division titles. And so obviously you'd like to win the division. Obviously you'd like to get to skip around, but I think it's unrealistic with, I mean, the, just the, the, 
Obviously, the Padres are not doing what people expected them to do yet this year. But with the Dodgers and the Padres preseason, like in the division, I think you're just kind of, you're just living in fantasy land if you think, OK, that we have to win the division. There's three other spots available to you if you don't win the division. So I don't care at all. And honestly, like I said, with that scenario, like in some ways, there's a scenario where you end up playing a weaker team than you would if you had, I mean, not, not, I don't know. I just don't think I'm with you a hundred percent. Yeah, no, I yeah. mean, cause that's, it's, it's just look, I mean, like Philly's the the prime example and, and the Dodgers mm. are a prime example. It, it, it doesn't matter. You have to be, it, it's, it's the best team. I mean, the best teams handle the adversity. And when I look at a team like the giants and, and again, these are the Rockies and you can say whatever, but a team down four, two times on the road, those are big wins. This is a team that 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 just stole two wins on the road. And if you're capable of doing that, and you can do that against a good team, you can do that in September, you can do that in November. That's gonna that's gonna win you that best of three series. I I, I the Giants don't quit. This these were two huge wins for them. And and you know, it's been an uneven season. They started off slowly, they were like seven games under 500 not that long ago and they've kind of gotten hot uh they cooled off a little bit on their last homestand coming into this series in colorado and so it was a big series for them to try to like get hot again and and to come back twice and just the way they pitched and held the rockies i mean in that ballpark to the the job the giants bullpen did in this series like the you know logan webb gave up some runs alex cobb gave up all the all the runs rocky scored in today's game were in the first inning and that was it no more runs and so the bullpen has really turned it around and uh yeah these the, and it pushes the giants two games over 500 so these these were big wins for the giants you know unfortunate ones for the rockies but uh big ones for the giants let's dive into more of what this means going forward let's take a look to about uh diving a little bit more into this series what we liked what we didn't like as as heartbreaking as it was for the rockies there there were things to uh, to enjoy, especially with two starting pitching performances from guys that uh, have really needed to step up for the Rockies and uh, have, have been filling in this issues of, of depth and all sorts of stuff. Uh, we are going to get to that coming up here in segment number two. But before we do that, want to tell you about our friends at Bird Dogs. And uh, we pulled out our Yeti-style tumblers earlier. And uh, if you want to stay cool and refreshed this summer, Bird Dogs got you covered because – they are perfect for a guy like me. I'm a shorts 24 7, 365 type of guy. I'll wear shorts to work and they're exactly what I need. They're comfortable and they look stylish. I had to stop. I, I called, I threw in the towel, Ben. I used to be wearing sweat shorts and gym shorts to the office. And I said, you know what? Probably got to stop doing that. Bird Dogs has me covered with some great, comfortable. I'm a big comfort over fashion guy, and Bird Dogs has <laughs> me covered there. They got the anti-stink sweat wicking fabric to take care of you as well. And you can see all the action and all the great options for you at birddogs.com slash MLB. When you go to birddogs.com slash MLB and enter the promo code LockedOnMLB, you'll get these cool cups that we get, these Yeti-style tumblers that I use to drink water here on the Locked On Rockies podcast. That's birddogs.com slash MLB for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. 
This is a special crossover edition here of Locked on Rockies, Locked on Giants. Paul Holden, Ben Kaspik here joining you. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Free and streaming on your favorite streaming services and on YouTube and also on the SiriusXM app and SiriusXM. Just search Locked on Rockies, Locked on Giants. They also got you covered for all your play-by-play action too. Just search Rockies or Giants. Select the feed of your choice. Ben, what did you like the most about this series? Was it the comebacks? Was it the pitching performance? What encouraged you the most uh, going through here? You, yeah, I saw you tweeting a little tongue-in-cheek about the lack of home runs lately for the Giants, even <laughs> though they're a team that uh, I think I was like has, uh, I, I want to say, over 20 more home runs than the Rockies do this season, and that's playing in San Francisco. This, the Giants completely eliminate the course field narrative, man. I tell you what, that, that's the thing. What did you like? Was it the fact that the Giants can officially declare we have no fear about playing at Coors Field? What were your key takeaways from this series? I think the biggest thing just has to be coming back and and that it builds the confidence for the rest of the season for or at least for the for the next several weeks or months or whatever that you're behind in a game early and there's no panic and you have this feeling that you're going to come back. And they kind of created that in the second game of the series, and it carried right over into the third game. It was like, it kind of just felt like, you know, if you just limit the damage, because the Giants went ahead one nothing in the first, top of the first with a homer. Rockies got four in the bottom of the first. But, like, the, the Rockies could have done more. There were, mm-hmm. In both games where they rallied, like Michael Conforto made a huge diving catch that saved oh, a couple runs off right. the bat of McMahon. And I believe Brad, you know, Brandon, Brandon Crawford had a big diving stop to, yeah. to rob Mike Moustakis as well. Yeah. And those were huge. And and it just had that feeling like if you just keep it within like three, four runs, it's Coors Field. You believe in, in your offense. Their offense is just kind of like grinding. And like, like in game one, we could talk about 240 pitches <laughs> that the Rockies threw. Which First was, time in MLB history a team has lost when they have struck out 16 batters and also, I believe, walked 11. It was a crazy stat. 240 pitches. I know. It was absolutely insane. And and so, yeah, like that game was its own kind of craziness. But then the, the comebacks, I think, for me are the biggest thing just because both times, I mean, it wasn't like one run comes comebacks. We're talking three four run comebacks in the late innings and just the way that they did it and that they didn't, you know, sometimes you have a tendency to try to do too much, but they were like taking their walks and, you know, the, the leadoff walk, I mean, yesterday and today in the ninth inning today, the two walks in a row starting that inning and yesterday, both innings, the seventh and eighth, I believe where the giants got their rallies going and eventually came back from a four, nothing deficit. Those innings both started with leadoff walks and so just I know, I know part of that is obviously frustration on the on your part and Rocky's pitching but at the same time like if you look back at today in the ninth inning Blake Sable leading off the ninth against uh Pierce Johnson uh he were he grinded out a great yep. at bat where he was swinging at strikes fouling off tough pitches and just not swinging if it wasn't in the zone and and they kind of have guys like that up and down the lineup and it puts a lot of pressure on the pitchers, which is what we saw extensively in game one. And it's part of what fueled the comebacks in the next two games as well. And so if they that is the approach that they had in 2021 offensively. It was just like grinding out pitchers and then hitting homers. And 
the homers were coming early. They haven't come so much lately, but a couple of big homers won them this game today. They hit two homers and and snuck out a little 6-4 win. And so, yeah, but for me, just they haven't had a lot. I think, I honestly think they were like 1-25 when trailing after 7 this season coming into this series. And they, they're two straight wins trailing after 7. Uh, so now they're three and 25. I know that probably stings to hear, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's what they do. It's when, especially with the Rockies use, when they are dominant at home, they're so good at capitalizing on teams, making the mistakes. It just is unfortunate for the Rockies that they were the ones making the mistakes and the giants were capitalizing. If you give two leadoff walks with nobody out in the top of the ninth, and you only have a one run lead at Coors field, that's asking for trouble. Just mm-hmm. absolutely. You know, but it, that's what's so frustrating. The Rockies wasted two quality starts in this series where they had two starting pitchers come up, both of which aren't flashy, both of which aren't going to dominate you. But they went and went up against a professional batting lineup, like you said, a team that's going to grind your at-bats, a team that saw 240 pitches in the first game, and the Rockies weren't able to, to, to clutch up enough. A, a flash in the pan here of offense isn't enough. So for the Rockies, I, I, there's stuff to be encouraged by. I think Ezekiel Tovar has, uh, you know, is is continuing to to grow and develop and shine. Ryan McMahon had a solid series as well. He's continuing to hit the ball, and even when he hit, it got out, he hit the uh, uh, Joel DeGrace yes. points out here. <laughs> McMahon hit a few shots that broke the sound barrier, but went straight to someone. I mean, that's encouraging. There are things to be encouraged about by the Rockies, but. When you're seeing these pitching issues, that's the issue on top of everything that we've seen. This is this overworked bullpen that has now been seeing these these starting pitching issues. And the Rockies offense, they can't miss out on these opportunities. They They never put the game away. Like you said, the Giants were able to keep the game three, four runs throughout the entire game, chip away a little bit, and then really take advantage. For the Rockies to improve, they got to end this. And And I was looking it up. The Giants now, I believe, and, and I might are now. I, I think it was I was talking about this after yesterday. So let me do my quick math. The Giants are now thirty-two and nine against the Rockies in the last forty-one games. Like that, you just can't, you just can't count yourself as a serious contender when your division rivals thump you that bad. The Giants continue to be just an absolute boogeyman for the Rockies, and and. I want to be encouraged by some of the stuff we saw, but it is so frustrating. I mean, Pierce Johnson has to be completely reevaluated as a closer. I don't know why he's continuing to be brought out there. He started the year strong, but he has shown issues. The Rockies desperately need Daniel Bard to get back in that closing role. He comes in for one batter, gets the strikeout. It's like, I know you're dealing with the anxiety and stuff, but Bardo, like you can close games for this fifth place Rockies team. I think that's going, I'm I'm hoping that's something that can help you build some confidence because as much as we care and we want the Rockies to win, like really the scales aren't, or the, 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 it's not that big right now. I, I just want the Rockies to be realistic about their situation. And I just don't know if we're going to see it. It was good to see the young guys play a lot in the series. Nolan Jones had a good series, hit a ball to the absolute stratosphere uh, yeah. in this one, 484 feet against Webb. Had, yeah, I mean it was uh, it was he's you know it's just the Rockies just need to be willing to to embrace this season, and I just don't think they are. What do you what did you see from the the Rockies specifically? Like, what do you think the Rockies need to do to beat the Giants in the next series? I mean, in the next series, 
uh, it's going to be tough. I just think, frankly, the Rockies have an inferior roster, and it's 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 largely on the offensive side, which you kind of I know we've talked about this before, but like, um, you know, just because of the ballpark, I think a lot of times people kind of always consider the Rockies like a good offensive team, but that's not that's obviously not going to necessarily be the case. And so, yes, you've got some like Jones was really impressive and McMahon like really could have had, he could have, he could have a couple of catches like against McMahon balls that he put in play could have totally changed the series. Uh, so you've got some players and I know McMahon's been like red hot. Um, but other than, than kind of those guys there, the, like we're talking, I don't know the giant, even, even the, the randos you, you probably see like who is Blake Sable and right. Even guys like that. I for say the that giants. every time I see the giants, it's who is this guy and why does he bat five fifty against the, the Rockies? So who are, who are these people? They're better at talent evaluation in my opinion. I mean, this is the thing about Farhan Zaidi who, like I said, they hired from the Dodgers. Um, you know, he's the guy who like recruited Max Muncie and he's the guy who traded for, Mike Yastrzemski and traded for and and by the way like they got Max Muncy on a minor league deal to the Dodgers uh the trade for Mike Yastrzemski was for a guy who still hasn't made his major league debut Tyro Estrada who has become a really good player for the Giants and they got him for cash Lamont Wade Jr. has been a has been awesome and reached base six times in the first game of the series they got him for a guy who's now pitching in Korea and so, like, just their talent evaluation, I think, is superior. And the Rockies, like, they commit all this money to Chris Bryant, and that's been a huge disappointment. He's on the um, IL again, by the way. Just he's on the IL again, and and just the numbers aren't what you like. He needs to be hitting like forty five home runs in that ballpark. It like to, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you put this Giants team in that in Coors Field, like they would lead the league in runs by a lot. Like just because I just think the Rockies offense is not quite, especially when they go on the road, they have a hard time scoring. The starting pitching was good. I mean, like two of those guys, like you said, Chase Anderson, right today. And um, Seabold yesterday, Chase Anderson and Connor Seabold yesterday. Hat tip to those guys. Those guys were really good. Um, But uh, yeah, just the offense needs to, and they were close. Like I said, a Michael Conforto diving catch away maybe from changing the whole series and some other plays as well. But um, the Giants bullpen was also just like spectacular and they've been the best bullpen in the majors over the last month. And they, the last two games, zero runs uh, allowed. And when you can do that in Coors Field, that's gonna that's going to work. And the Rockies bullpen obviously is what kind of gave it up it in the last couple games it's incredibly infuriating when your division rival can come in and maximize in your ballpark and do what you should be doing as an organization but instead you don't do that and like i said go 32 and 9 over the last three seasons against uh your division rival uh let's wrap things up here on the show with uh, i'm curious how high you think the ceiling is for the Giants and a couple of other Rockies Giants thoughts here and uh, bigger picture things here. Uh, we're going to do that coming up in segment number three. want to thank you for making Locked On Rockies and Locked On Giants your first listen of the day here. want to thank Ben Caspic for joining me here for a little post-series pod. A lot more fun for uh, him in this one uh, than I. Oh, man, that guy, 
God, I just hate losing games like the Rockies did in those last two ones, man. I, that those ones just sting. And and so I'm curious. This is I think this might be a way for the Giants to kind of kick off some momentum. I'm curious how high is the ceiling for the Giants this season? Like we like we mentioned, we talked about the division. Winning the division is is isn't all that important. I'm just curious. Where do you see this Giants team shaking out? Because you know the like the Padres might figure it out they're running out of time the diamondbacks are going to be i think fighting along the way the dodgers are the dodgers how high can the giants go this year i mean i think if you're talking best case scenario they could probably win 90 something games uh i I don't know 94 or something if everything just kind of clicks from here on out more realistically like maybe in the mid to high 80s and you mentioned the phillies and that's exactly what they did last year and that's exactly what they rode to the World Series. And so that's like, I mean, they really want to make the playoffs. And so I would imagine they're going to also be an aggressive team at the trading deadline. And so, uh, but yeah, the ceiling, you know, it's hard to ever put a ceiling on a team, especially after I witnessed 2021, you know, like the (laughs) ceiling is just like bonker. I mean, at, at this point, being only 32 and 30, even if you played that way, you're already not win. Uh, obviously, they're not winning 107, but I think they could be a like. If you look back at like last year's Cleveland Guardians, for example, they had they were kind of middling. There's plenty of cases of teams that are you know around 500, maybe even a little below. Even the Phillies last year, they fired Joe Girardi when they I think they were right. like 22 and 29, and the 2019 Nationals were 19 and 31. And so there's plenty of times where you're kind of middling around. 500 or worse after roughly 50 or 60 games and you go on to end up having a really good season and the the I mentioned the Guardians they did that last year too and they ended up winning 90 something games and so I think the Giants are definitely a team given how well the bullpen is now performing given some of the starting pitchers they have they've got some prospects who are actually like really intriguing that are close and I think their lineup we saw in this series can be pretty darn tough, especially in that first game we saw it, but even with the comebacks and the other two. So yeah, I, I, I think some people might think 90 something wins. Yeah. Right. But I, I honestly don't think it's, it's like super un, unrealistic. Well, especially like you said, with the way the season started for the giants and where they've been able to work themselves back when you're a significant amount of games under 500 and you work your way up. And then now after this series get above 500, it's exactly what you're that. I think the Giants are where they kind of quote unquote, want to be here on the 8th of June. They've built, they've gotten their way out of the basement. They're getting in midseason groove and then the trade deadline's coming up. And so you mentioned there, are there, are there certain holes maybe that you're thinking the Giants are, are looking to, to, to adjust? I mean, like you said, strong bullpen, arguably one of the best, if not the best closer in baseball uh, at right now. Uh, an offense that that has interesting things. Another uh, offseason where the Giants said, hey, Mitch Haniger, come on over here. Hey, Jock Peterson, come on over here. You guys can come still hit baseballs. We know you can. Uh, more great veterans that just come to San Francisco and uh, and and thrive for a little bit. It, what do you think the Giants need to address at the deadline? That's a good question. As of right now, there's not an obvious area of weakness which is which is part of why i'm kind of feeling so optimistic and they've got some question marks like their catcher situation you might have noticed like who who are these guys like you're looking at patrick bailey and blake sable catching in these in this series and i think a lot of rockies fans 
you know, you're used to Buster Posey. And then, of yep. course, maybe you're some familiarity with Joey Bart. Don't miss that and guy just, at all. I can tell you, Buster Posey just hitting. Oh, yeah. Hit 500. <laughs> we miss him terribly. But um, <laughs> Patrick Bailey, I mean, he was a first round pick of theirs in 2020. And, and he made it to the majors just this year. Wow. And he's been really good. And so I could say catcher, except they've gotten good production out of these guys who have come up. And then, I mean, honestly, like maybe shortstop but they uh, you know brandon crawford is still on this team so that's kind of complicated and uh their outfield is crowded you could you could always go out and get like an ace caliber pitcher and so that that's like you've got logan webb and then you've got like alex cobb who is underrated but not he's not like corbin burns or something and so and then if like if the Angels fall apart and Shohei Otani is is available, like I feel like you kind of just maybe do whatever you can to get that guy who's both an ace and a you know an awesome hitter too. Um, so it it's weird because they have so much starting pitching depth and they have some good starting pitching prospects in the upper minors, but it like maybe and I say Corbin Burns, but like I don't think the the Brewers are in first place, so I don't know why they would trade him. But you you get the point, like. Maybe if, if there's an ace out there, you could that always can help you not just get to October, but win in October. Yeah. And uh, as for the Rockies, they got to sell, sell, sell. You have to get you have to trade as many veterans off this team as you can just to build, get draft picks, get some MLB ready arms or get some arms that are going to be ready to go. Will they do that? Uh, jury's still very much uh, out on that. Um, I, I think the Rockies still will slow will avoid that 100 loss season still especially with with the way they played in may uh it's gonna be tough i think though the navigating i man i just i wish that uh i wish that we could feel a little bit more confident there is stuff to be optimistic about on the rocky side but i, I wanted to ask you one last question ben um i didn't really think too much about this going into the season and, and kind of the role but after this series and kind of some stuff like I'm starting to think Bud Black might need to go. I'm wondering if you think this similar situation or how important a manager shift for a team like the Rockies might be. I don't think it would make too much of a difference as long as the uh, people above him are the mm -hmm. same. And I, you know, I, I don't want to come on here calling for people to <laughs> right. sell or get fired or whatever, but you can come on here and say, sell the team. We're, we're happy for that. Don't I worry. mean, <laughs> yeah. So like, I know that they made a move and, and I forget what his name was, but that he was, that he left. Breidich left after about three Breidich. months after the Nolan Arenado trade bill. There which, was an interim oh my God. season for a bit in which bill Schmidt, who is the current GM was the interim GM for a year in which they didn't trade Trevor Story. They let John Gray walk and uh, then again, didn't, uh, I think that, and then that was also the Chris Bryant season, I think as well, or maybe the season after that. Uh, anyway, I think, yeah, they, they made some change, but Bill Schmidt is uh, one of Dick Momford's right-hand guys. Yeah. And as long as that keeps happening, I think that, that not, not much is going to change. And so like you could fire Bud Black, but there's not, there's, I mean, but I think he's got the respect of the players. You know, he's right. one of those guys, uh, you know, it, it reminds me of Bochi. Bochi obviously had the respect of the players and the fans and is a legend. And they might have a statue of Bruce Bochi at Oracle Park one day. And uh, but even so, once the first domino to fall was the firing of of the people in the front at the top of the front office. 
And then Bochi had one more year where they let him kind of say he was retiring, which obviously he wasn't. He was kind of being right. You know, he he's he read the room and understood like this new the new people in charge should get to pick their own manager. And so I think that worked out in the right way and that it needs to come from from a higher level. I don't think a manager makes without change at the top. I don't think a manager makes that that much of a difference. And also, I think Bud Black is probably fine as a manager he's not like right. he's not like actively costing you tons of wins left and right i think he's a little too trustworthy of his pitchers from time to time and again i'm 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 really still wondering why pierce johnson continues to get save opportunities and i think the only reason has to be because daniel Bard doesn't feel ready for that role uh yet uh still trying to 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 to, to figure out everything up there but uh i'm with you i i I get frustrated by Bud Black, but I Bud Black's not the problem. It, it, it goes down to the inactivity and the inactions of this team from the top and needs to change from the top down uh, completely. I think the Rockies could be a team that would be a really exciting team for a, for if they were to sell or were they were to move on. I think the Rockies would be a, a team that people would be ecstatic to get involved in because I think there's people in baseball hungry and ready to crack the course field code and make this a, a, a place where the Rockies are that powerhouse that they think they are. But uh, Ben, <laughs> we could keep going on. We got tons more to talk about. Sure. This won't be the last time we chat here this season, but giants sweeping away the Rockies. Let me just put the whole record, probably flip it over and I'll set it to the same tune for next time. Because <laughs> golly, this team just kicks the snot out of the Rockies. Uh, ben, thank you so much for the time. And uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Where can people go here to stay up to date with all things Giants, all things you? Uh, well, I do the daily show just like you, Locked on Giants on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm on Twitter, pretty active, kind of like the uh, the stats and all that, but in a way that's that's very digestible. And that's uh, on Twitter, at Ben Kaspik. And you can see, uh, if you're on YouTube, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. And then what about for you? Where, where can my listeners find you? Check us out live streaming almost every episode on Locked On Rockies. You can be part of the live chat, just like Ryan Tartleski and Joel DeGrace, some of my everydayers here on the Locked On Rockies podcast. Also, LO Rockies on Twitter, Paul Holden 33. Talk a lot about Mario Baseball there, too, in case you're curious about the fictional world of the Mushroom Kingdom. Uh, but I do want to say one thing. Ben does a great job of breaking down stats and a great job of bringing those analytical things to a more digestible thing. If you want to get a deeper understanding of those of the Rockies opponent, I highly suggest following Ben. And I highly suggest making sure you tune into Locked On Rockies and Locked On Giants each and every day. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. You can see us on SiriusXM and the SiriusXM app as well, where we're also there. So check us out wherever you get your podcast. And folks, until next time, this is Paul Holden saying so long from the Locked On Podcast Network.